Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer and this is episode 66. Update. Another short work week, which I am not complaining about. It's awesome. I actually love the month of November because you get a lot of days off. You get, well, I get Veterans Day um, and then of course Thanksgiving and the day after. It's all about days off for me. So it was only a three-day work week. I'm not as tired as I was last week, but that's only because I worked a little less. I also am back on my regular recording schedule, and that has helped to make me not as stressed. Last week when I was recording, not only was I recording days later than I usually do, I had to restart that recording, I think, four times or or restart three times. It wasn't until the fourth time that I actually got it right. I <laughs> I don't know what I don't know if I was tired. I don't know if I was distracted. I don't know, but I just could not. There was so many things going wrong with that recording. But by the time I did get through the entire episode, I was just like, it's fine. I don't even know if there were mistakes in it to be honest. I I did I very did a very quick edit and was like, yep, post publish. We're good. The episode went out. That was all I cared about. And I went shopping this week. I go shopping every week, but I went specifically this week um, because I realized, I told you guys I've been getting ready for the trip and I started packing. The suitcase that I have is way too small. I don't know how I have ever traveled with this suitcase because it's it's essentially, it's carry-on size. So I think it's, I don't know, what is that, less than less than 20 inches like what where did I think I was going away for the weekend so that was not going to work so I needed a new suitcase and um you know a bigger one obviously and I found one at Walmart that was on sale and it's going to work perfect but honestly I don't think I've ever shopped for luggage because we had a full set uh, my ex-husband and I, but my mother-in-law gave us that. And before that, I think like I just borrowed suitcases, like for whatever. It's not, I don't travel that off, often, obviously. So I had no idea that luggage was so expensive. It's ridiculous. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'm. It, it, am I wrong? Is it like a status thing it seems silly that it would be but if that's the case like I don't uh, I don't need that at all I just need something big enough to fit my stuff and that can withstand the baggage handlers you know that arrives to my destination and home again in one piece but yeah I got a good deal um pretty big suitcase have no idea what the brand is I think I got it for 60 bucks so I was happy with that purchase. I love Walmart. So, you know, like I said, bigger suitcase, more room. Decided to do a little clothes shopping. I had a dress um, already that I could have worn for the wedding, but, and it was okay. I mean, it was fine. I wasn't thrilled with it. It was, eh, whatever. It, it, I, I thought I could do better, basically. But I did have the shoes. And Anyone else out there, women, men, do you buy or base your outfits on the shoes? 
I feel like I've always done this. Like in my mind, when I'm picturing, you know, what I want to wear for something, it always starts with the shoes. So I had the shoes and I've had them for months, actually. I've worn them a couple of times to work just to sort of test drive them. I love them. They're super cute, but they are high. I mean, I mean, they're high. I think I think they might be a four inch heel with a one inch platform. So five inch total. I am already five nine. Those shoes are going to make me six three. <laughs> and the rest of my family is, with the exception of my two nephews, they're tiny. So I'm already without shoes, you know, with and with the exception of my nephews, the tallest of my family. So if you do see pictures of me at the wedding, I will more than likely be seated in all of them so that I don't look like Alice the Goon in the background. Anyway, I wanted to see if I could find a dress that I loved as much as I loved the shoes. And I did. And it is the size that I was aiming for. And when I took it off the rack, I actually grabbed three sizes. I grabbed the size I thought I was currently wearing, the size I hoped I had gotten down to. And then I went one size up just in case, you know, the sizing's off, the dress runs small, you know, whatever. So I get into the dressing room and of course I start with the size that I think I am and it fits okay, but I notice it's a little bit roomy, you know, not, not swimming on me, not by any means, but you know, and I thought, well, let's just see. I mean, if the next size down is too small, okay, whatever, I'll just get this one, no big deal. And so I put it on and zip it up and it fit. I mean, like, it's perfect. I couldn't believe it because even though I'm seeing the numbers go down on the scale, I could not see the change in my body. I mean, I think anyone who has struggled with their weight that this happens to you. You you get this like really distorted view. You just don't have a realistic view of your body ever. And it is something that I struggle with. And, you know, even now, as I'm telling you this, it's like, okay, I know that I bought a size 12 dress for the wedding. There's still a part of my brain that's telling me Oh, it's only because it's cut generous or, you know, uh, whatever. You know, it's not a true size 12. Just, you know, you're still fat. I, I, I don't know. I'm working on it. I, don't, I, I hope this isn't something that I struggle with my whole life. I hope at some point I can kind of, you know, come to terms or acceptance or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel it's going to be something I have to work on my entire life. But I did tell you guys last week, remember, I told you to celebrate the moments along the way. And so that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I'm not where I want to be, but it's nice to get at least some confirmation that I'm at least on my way. 
TV podcast recommendations. No new podcast recommendations this week. I did watch Finch on Apple TV. That's that new Tom Hanks movie. I liked it. It's not the best movie I've ever seen, but it was okay. At times, it kind of reminded me of the relationship that Tom Hanks had with Wilson in Castaway. It's nothing like Castaway, but I don't know how to give you a description without giving away the story, but it was good. It's Tom Hanks. I mean, rarely does he make a bad movie. It was a nice way to pass an evening. I watched another Christmas movie on Netflix. This one's called Love Hard. It's about a girl who falls in love with the guy she meets online and she and decides to fly across country to surprise him, meet him in person, only to find out that she has been catfished. The pics he was using in his profile aren't him. It was cute. But you do have to kind of look past one gigantic plot hole. Why didn't they just FaceTime each other? I mean, there was like this whole discussion she has with her friend in the movie where the friend is basically warning her like, hey, this might be a too good to be true type situation. You should get some proof of, you know, this guy actually is who he says he is. And she's like, oh, no, he just sent me this photo. See, uh, this movie was made in 2021. Why would you not just FaceTime each other? I, I've had plenty of dates with guys that I met online and we have FaceTimed e each other first just to avoid this sort of thing. I mean, I couldn't imagine flying across country. <laughs> anyway, if you can look past that, it's actually a pretty good movie. It's cute. I liked it. And I started rewatching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I had stopped watching this because it was one of the shows that I used to watch with my ex-boyfriend and we really liked it. And when the relationship started falling apart, I just, I don't know, I stopped watching it. And then when we broke up, I couldn't watch it at all. But I was reminded the other day that um, the series actually ended. And I thought, oh, I wonder where I left off in that. Let me just, you know, let me see. I'll watch it. Like if, if I start watching it and it's, you know, like too painful or whatever brings up too many memories, then I'll just stop watching it again. But I like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are moments when I think, oh, he would really have laughed hard at that. But I don't get sad about it. You know, it's just like that old saying, sometimes you don't know you've healed until you watch a TV show that you used to watch with your ex and now you can enjoy the show on your own. I've healed. <laughs> oh, and I had, <laughs> I had the weirdest dream the other night. So I had a dream that I was on a date with this guy that I, in real life, um, used to have kind of like a casual thing with years ago. And we were going on this date and I was really excited to go. But during the date, he kept fix like fixing my makeup <laughs> like even at one point he took out like makeup brushes <laughs> to kind of touch up my makeup and he was telling me like different tips and tricks and things I could do to hide my flaws and I'm like dude it's a birthmark I and it was the weirdest thing but the thing is is like in real life this guy is very uh Oh, he's a douche. I, I mean, that's just the truth. And 
the way that my subconscious portrayed him in my dream of just like very, very picky, very much about appearances. Uh, I don't know. It was really funny to me. Like, I can't understand why I was excited. I was excited to go on a date with him because I remember this guy as being, like I said, like he he was a douche. Like in real life, I would not be excited to go on a date with him. I wouldn't go on a date with him. And even like um, like his his social media posts, he he words things in such a weird way. He p- puts on airs. I I don't even know if that's something anybody says, but it's like, it's not the language he uses if you know him in real life. So sometimes you would be reading his post and it's like, who is this person? Like, why why are you saying it? Nobody says it that way. But in the dream, I finally came to my senses and I bailed before the date was over and I went in search of my friends, tell them all about it, one of whom was Mindy Kaling. <laughs> it was so weird. I woke up and I was laughing. And the only thing I could think of is, why can't I be this funny when I'm awake? All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So the other day, I was on Facebook, and I saw a post from a friend who has really been going through a tough time. They've just, they've, they've suffered a lot of loss, some, some family members, some friends. It's, just, it's been a lot. And they posted kind of an update, a check-in, you know, and I, I wanted to comment, you know, and kind of send them my love and my support. And as I was doing that, I was looking through the other comments and they were so supportive. Like everyone was just positive, sending love, sending prayer. I mean, just kind words, you know, letting this my friend know that they were thinking of them, that if there was anything that they could do to help. And I thought, man, this is Facebook at its best. This to me is why Facebook was created as a place for people to celebrate each other, support each other, send love, create communities, a place of friendship, even if you haven't actually seen each other in years. That feeling died, however, when I went over to Twitter. Holy cow, God forbid you express your real feelings on Twitter. There will immediately be at least five people who feel it's their only purpose in life to not only tell you your opinion is wrong, but to completely discredit your intelligence, your your education, your entire lineage. Nothing is off limits when it comes to someone wanting to point out publicly the full extent of your idiocy. I'm not even talking about like hot topics like politics or religion. I'm talking about things like makeup healthy lifestyle transformations, sexiest man alive for 2021, which in case you didn't know, it's Paul Rudd this year. How can this be controversial? He's handsome, he's sweet, he's funny, he's kind. What's the problem? Going through some of the comments, I know, I know, my mistake. I saw everything from some people thinking People Magazine just chose wrong. 
Some even came forth with their own suggestions, which then started infighting in the comments. Harry Styles should have been the winner. Harry Styles? Are you crazy? He doesn't even come close to sexy. Harry Styles is so sexy, and he's kind and trendsetting. And don't even get me started on the Chris Evans fan base. That group is intense. This is just proof that no topic is safe. People are mean. I used to think of social media as a way to stay in touch with people. You know, Facebook was mostly like family and close friends. Instagram does a wider group, not as personal, and especially now because it's become more of like a promotional tool for the podcast. And Twitter, well, that's where I got my headlines. Now, Facebook has turned into that sort of nosy, judgy aunt who only sees you at the holidays, who doesn't understand personal boundaries. FYI, I, I am that aunt. I used to change your diapers. No, there are no boundaries. I get to ask whatever I want. Instagram, that's kind of turned into almost like the mean girls club. And Twitter is straight up Thunderdome. I want to know why. I know what most people will say. It's because it's anonymous. You can sit behind your screen and hate type things you wouldn't dream of saying to someone's face. But that's not exactly true. No one is really anonymous anymore. Say something online that someone doesn't like, and you could lose your job. So why does it continue? According to a study from Michigan State and Cal State Fullerton, the more a person enjoys making people angry or embarrassed, the more likely they are to be addicted to social media. The study followed more than 500 college students and tracked their social media habits, how long they spent on the platforms, and how they engaged when they were on them. They found that the more addicted to social media a student was, the more likely they were to be aggressive and engage in cyberbullying, stating, quote, the heaviest users of social media have personalities that enjoy angering and embarrassing others, end quote. If someone posts their fitness journey, you'll likely get at least one jerk who immediately comments, you still got a ways to go, honey. How is this helpful? And you can't win. If you have a child and you decide to be a stay-at-home mom and you post about that, you'll have women posting that you're single-handedly setting the women's movement back 100 years. On the other hand, if you decide to put your child in daycare and continue your career, be prepared to be shamed because you obviously are selfish and don't really love your child. It's not just limited to social media. Ever read the comments on literally any news story? It can be a story about puppies, and someone will comment that putting more puppies in the world is irresponsible. Haven't you seen all the overflowing animal shelters filled with unwanted dogs? All this online mean meanness, it has a name. It's called online disinhibition effect. And according to Wikipedia, it's the lack of restraint one feels when communicating online in comparison to communicating in person. People feel safer saying things online, which they would not say in real life because they believe they have the ability to remain completely anonymous and invisible behind the computer screen. A byproduct of all of this online nastiness is empathy deficit because there's a lack of nonverbal 
uh, of nonverbal feedback. Through online communication, it's hard to know what tone and facial expressions accompany the message, so it makes it harder to empathize with others. Both anonymity and empathy deficit make it harder to perceive others online as people with feelings because you don't have that facial interaction. And you're kind of assigning the tone, right? This could even happen with people you're close to. I know this has happened with me. I might get a, get a text message from somebody I know really well, but if I'm, you know, in a mood, I might assign a tone to that text that was never intended. And if I decide to kind of run with it, you know, then things can get misconstrued and there's a miscommunication could even lead to an argument. This is why, like, there are times when I'm talking with someone, I'm not really sure, like, what? Am I interpreting that correctly? And I'll just ask, like, explain, or what does that mean? Or, you know, not in a confrontational way, but I'm not sure if I'm interpreting this correctly. So can you explain? That happens with people I know really well. So of course it happens with strangers that I may be interacting with online. If we know what we're in for when we post online, why do we do it? Well, because posting something small on social media can make it feel like a bigger, more significant event. I remember when I got my driver's license, I celebrated with a few close friends. Now, if a teen posts a pic of themselves outside of the DMV with a big grin on their face, they'll get hundreds of likes. Small milestones feel much bigger because it gets a lot of attention on a much larger scale. And recent studies have shown that the need for likes and approving comments has become almost an addiction because of the dopamine hits it provides. That reminds me of that Black Mirror episode, Bryce Howard, where people would rate each other on a scale of one to five for every interaction they had. The more five-star ratings you had, the better your socioeconomic status. Bryce became so obsessed with her ratings and more desperate that her behaviors got more desperate and that lowered her ratings. It was a really weird episode, but like very parallel to, I think, what happens with social media today. So how do you protect yourself? If you only surround yourself with like-minded people, you risk getting locked inside of an echo chamber, and that's not healthy either. A mixture of interesting, thoughtful, not-so-like-minded people makes for a more enriching life experience. Some of the best conversations I've had have been with people whose opinions didn't necessarily align with mine, both in person and online. It's no surprise that people who spend their time online hurling insults at strangers are usually those suffering from self-esteem issues. They lash out at people who they see as successful and happy, people who seem like they're enjoying their life, like they have it all together. There seems to be this misguided concept that knocking someone else down will make you feel better about your own unhappy life. But miserable acts only bring more misery. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. When I was at my most miserable, 
I thought nothing of leaving nasty, condescending comments. One of my favorite things to do was to correct people's grammar. Yeah, I was an asshole. It was really, I mean, is it really a big deal if someone writes Y-O-U-R and not Y-O-U apostrophe R-E? Is the world going to end? Did I not get the gist of the post? When Nancy on Facebook posts, it's another beautiful sunny day. Hope you're having a blessed day. I'd climb upon my high throne of smugness and comment, asterisk, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Another thing I used to love to do whenever someone posted something that I knew was more rumor or fact, I would just respond with the link from Snopes to publicly prove to everyone that saw that, that what they posted was not true. Yeah, like I said, I was an asshole. Maybe that's why I, when I see these mean comments today, I get so bothered by them. And it reminds me of someone I used to be and didn't particularly like. But also, I learned, I healed, I grew. I stopped being an asshole. And so can you. When you post on social media, be prepared to open yourself up to scrutiny, judgment, and just plain spitefulness. With all the, neg- ticket, with all of the negativity, it's a wonder that many people feel they can't be their true authentic selves when posting on social media. And that's the really sad part. Why would you choose to reveal who you really are? Because it only opens you up to ridicule, harassment, bullying. Maybe that's why so much of what you see online isn't reality. According to an article I found in the Chicago Tribune, the long-term psychological impact of social media on individuals and their individual sense of self remains to be seen. But there is one thing we do know. Our daily lives have been digitized, tracked, and tied up in metrics. Our real selves have split into online avatars and profile pictures and status updates. And while social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are powerful tools that have the potential to build communities, connect lives in far-flung places, leverage careers, and even elect presidents, they are also unleashing a myriad of complex psychological issues that have altered our collective sense of reality. A virtual life is shiny and bright. It's where you post your prettiest pictures and tell of only your best news. Dr. Ali Jazahiri, Associate uh, Professor of Clinical Psychology at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, thinks that there is a dangerous aspect to social media that can't be ignored. Dr. Jazahiri says, the the world that we see on Facebook and other social media sites is not true, and it's a creation. People, when they are happy, post a lot of happy things, but when they're not happy, they will consciously or unconsciously compare themselves to others. As a result, they create a world that is not a true world because they imagine that everyone is happy in the world except them. What concerns Dr. Jazahiri the most from a psychological perspective is the danger of slipping too far into a virtual world and losing the sense of real life, real self, and real priorities. This isn't news. We already know that most of what we see online isn't real. 
between the curated lifestyles, the angles, the lighting, the filters, can we even trust what we see online? Most people use their social media to highlight the beautiful aspects of their lives. Or if they do decide to, you know, get real, it's usually in some safe, non-controversial topic. More of a Mondays, am I right? Kind of vibe that an actual struggle they're currently dealing with. And I don't blame them. Like I said, people are mean. If it feels like too much, it's okay to take a break unfollow, unfriend. I've had people unfriend me and I've unfriended others. I've lost followers and I've gained followers. It's all okay. All of it. It doesn't mean anything. Nine times out of 10, if I unfriend someone, it's because we aren't really friends and they probably don't even notice that I've done it. But maybe if we can all find a way to just be a little bit more ourselves online, we might be able to turn this around. I found an article, this one on uh, glitterguide.com. It was written by Samantha Welker. And she says, no one has a perfect life. And pretending like you do for the sake of your feed might get you likes, but it won't make anyone feel connected with you. Her advice, open up about your real life struggles. It will give people a feeling of comfort And then it allows you to become a safe space for them to open up about their own not-so-perfect lives. I have to believe that social media could be a really good way for us to support each other, to celebrate our wins, to send love and prayers when times get tough, to exchange ideas and learn from each other. Because in the words of Captain Ray Holt, Every time someone has the courage to stand up and publicly state who they are, the world becomes a more interesting place. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks so much for coming back for episode 66. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, like the Facebook page, and follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. I have a Twitter, too. You don't have to follow me there. Like I said, I don't really post... (laughs) I post about everything you see on Instagram, you'll find on Twitter. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen. That second part is the important part. If you have questions or topic suggestions, you can email them to me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time. Love you. Bye.